Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, earlier today, we heard from head coach Matt LaFleur his season-ending press conference rather traditional for head coaches in the middle of the week after the season ends that they kind of address the media one final time to wrap things up. And I'm interested in your thoughts as well. My initial two takeaways from this are, one, that it's really, really hard to get over an ending like the Packers had because even a few days later you could still hear yeah. some of the regret and bitterness and disappointment and everything in Matt LaFleur's voice. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But also, he's extremely upbeat about the future. I think he used the word excited at least five or six times throughout the course of the half-hour press conference. He likes what he's built so far, but he's a coach that knows the process is nowhere right. near complete. This is still an ongoing uh, evolution here. And the reason why it's so difficult one, obviously, just the result. But two, it's because of, as he pointed out, how special that locker room was, how yeah. close that locker room was, one of the closest that he's ever coached at any level of football. And that, as Aaron Rodgers talked about after the game, that's what made you feel like this could be a real special season. Because you don't always get that. You'll have teams that win Super Bowls that aren't as tight as that locker room yeah. was. And you'll have teams, I think, as Mercedes Lewis pointed out on Monday, too, he played on plenty of teams that weren't quote-unquote winning playoff teams but had a good chemistry it, it can be a real elixir I feel to to help a team get to that next level and when it all ends it is it's just it's such, it's such a sudden train stop it, you can't prepare for it because you, you don't think about it you think about the game and winning and what that would mean and just continuing upon that run yeah so there is a lot to break down and digest this week but as you mentioned in the second point of your point they also feel a genuine excitement and enthusiasm about what is to come based on this first season. They were ahead of schedule in so many ways, whether it was just the implementation of this offense, whether it was being able to incorporate the new free agent pieces, or even having a guy like Elton Jenkins make a you know, year one contribution. Yeah. All of those things kind of add up to being a pretty special you know, year that you don't always get with a first-year head coach. But unfortunately for the Green Bay Packers, 14 wins will have to do, and they set their sights now to 2020. Yeah, I think one of the things that I liked best about his remarks is that he came he came off very, very aware of the fact that there are going to be things that are going to come up in 2020 that you can't prepare for, that you're right. not going to expect, that there are going to be new challenges, new difficulties. Everything that the Packers worked through this year, he knows they were blessed with a fair amount of good fortune. Uh, from a health standpoint, not a lot of major injuries to deal with. Um, it's not easy to win so many close games in the NFL, as we talked about a lot. Those, those usually tend to fall more 50-50 throughout the course of a season. Packers are on the winning end of the vast majority of close games. So that's going to be something that's that's difficult to repeat. He's already, what I sensed is he's already mentally preparing himself for whatever it is that comes down the road that 
the Packers didn't have to deal with in 2019, but it's going to hit them at some point. And I th- and I think he's he's already mentally aware that uh, that those things are going to come eventually. Yeah, and and being able to have that experience to to lean back on now, I think is just so critical. It didn't even really dawn on me, Mike, until he brought it up himself that this will be the first time he goes into year two with the same offense with the same team since 2015 and 16 with Atlanta. With Atlanta, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and that's a part of being a climber. It's a part of getting more opportunities. He went to being an offensive coordinator, to an offensive play caller, to finally a head coach here with the Green Bay Packers and, and everything that comes with it. Understanding, okay, you need to implement your offense. You need to be the offensive you know, guru in mind that is going to get this team ready for Sunday. And it's funny you said finally, though, because it happened so quickly. Yeah. 2017, 2018, 2019, boom, there he is as a head coach. Right. But, yeah. But, you know, at 39, 40 years old, this is something that he was thinking about when he was a quarterback at Saginaw Valley State. Sure. That, you know, someday being able to run his own scheme and run his own team and being the son of a football coach and a, a mom that was a coach. I mean, it's just it, – it that is always in you, I believe. And this was his first chance to really be able to understand, okay, it's not just a position. It's not just a side of the ball. It's being in special teams meetings. It's being in defensive meetings, setting the agenda for everybody in that building from the training staff, the strength and conditioning department, and also having conversations with Brian Gutekunst and having conversations with Mark Murphy. This is everything that plays into being a head coach at the highest level. And those experiences, like you can't just go into an interview being like, okay, I know exactly what to expect, and this is how I'm going to approach everything. A lot of it is, okay, when you get those curveballs thrown at you, how do you adjust your swing to it? And I feel like that's what Matt LaFleur, probably the biggest adjustment now that he gets to make now going into year two is knowing where he needs to devote his time, how to allocate his resources, and as he even pointed out, leaning on his staff because he's not always going to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. It's an exciting thing for him to be a coach that won 13 games got to a playoff, won a division title, was in an NFC championship game. But now it's about that next step and everything that he has to do to ensure that they do take that step forward in 2020. Yeah, well, he had some interesting thoughts both uh, regarding the offense and the defense. I want to get to those in a minute. But uh, Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, well, he spent the majority of, at least in terms of the evaluation part of it, talking about the offense because that's his area of expertise. It was his offense that the Packers were implementing and transitioning to this year. And I thought it was interesting in that he he came right out and said the whole up-tempo thing, which a lot of fans were wondering, like, where is it? Why aren't the Packers going no huddle and playing faster and all of that? He said, hey, that's that's something we didn't get to this year, but it sounds like it's a pretty high priority for 2020 that he wants to have, now it's not going to be you know the track meet 60 minutes a game or whatever, but he wants to have a segment of the offense that's there for them to be able to go up-tempo, to play faster when it's not just a two-minute situation, right. but as a change of pace at other times in the game, it sounds like that's something he really wants to work on with Aaron Rodgers here heading into 2020. Yeah, because I wouldn't go and say that you know Kyle Shanahan, what they were doing was really quote-unquote up-tempo in most cases, but it was just how they broke the huddle, how they got to the line of scrimmage, guys being in the right spots, being disciplined, not having to have any miscommunication. Um, just honing all that. And Kyle Shanahan's in his third year now as a head coach that he's been able to, you know, really work those things out. But for Green Bay, 
as LaFleur talked about, it, it's not always just one or the other. You don't want to just always be up-tempo because then, you know, you're, you're, you might, you know, speed yourself out of things. You also don't want to be down to two and three seconds on a play clock because then that's when the defense starts to get to pin its ears back. There's all these things that you have to account for yeah. in the course of a 60-minute game, and you know he admitted that's something that this offseason when the coaches break things down and when the players get back into the building in the spring, being able to you know maybe take that next step, hasten that process, uh, that that is what his vision is for where these things go. Aaron Rodgers is exceptional. He said it. I mean, the way that he was open-minded about the way that he approached this new offense and in his role in it, what was being asked of him. But for everybody, it's it's a growing process. It's the understanding that this was year one, and now you go into year two. What can you do to make sure that the offense is, you know, adaptable to every situation in being able to be multifaceted where you really need it to? Yeah, and with with how tough things ended out in San Francisco in the NFC Championship game, Matt Lafleur had some really pointed words actually in terms of questioning just the intensity, the urgency, the effort of the players. It just felt like he wasn't seeing the same team out there in San Francisco that he saw during the regular season. But interestingly, he also said, he also looked at that, excuse me, as something to be self-reflective, that he's like, I need to look at myself and find out why my team looked like that in an NFC championship game. Um, So again, I think you know we're we're st- we're starting to get a feel after this first season now and we were seeing it earlier as well when they hit some bumps in the road with the game out in Los Angeles and the first trip to San Francisco Matt LaFleur is a really self-reflective head coach his first it seems that his first step he he evaluates things but then his first step in trying to figure out what needs to change it's always looking at himself first, and then he'll start yeah. to branch out and, and figure out other things. And I just I think that's a quality that uh, you know m- maybe it's something he's born with, maybe being son of a coach, whatever whatever it is that uh, has created that in him. But not every not every coach has that. Not every coach always looks at himself first, or at least publicly is going to say like, "Hey, I'm going to look at myself first. And I, I think that's something that uh, that Packers fans can as tough as that ending was yeah I think Packers fans can have a lot of confidence in uh in this head coach in terms of getting to the bottom of uh, of why this happened and trying to make sure it doesn't happen again I'll be honest with you I don't know if Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst and, and Russ Ball everybody when they sat down and talked with him through the head coaching process and trying to make that hire if they if they were able to really get at the core of the apple there yeah but I would argue with you now that we're more than a year into this thing that Matt LaFleur's best quality, I think, as a coach and what makes him a guy that I think is going to be successful for many, many years in this profession is the fact that he he leads by example. He asks of himself before before he asks from others. Yep. I actually think that's, that's not really an issue just with the NFL. That's an issue in society. There's a lot of weak-minded people out there, uh, spineless, uh, you know, that just don't have that backbone of, you know, being willing to accept responsibility. They just want to blame other people, and it happens a lot in industry. Uh, bosses, supervisors, always want to talk down to those beneath them, rather understanding who's a who's the people that are making these decisions, and how are people responding to the way of which you're leading. Yeah, that that's critical. And I've said it before on the show, and I've written it in inbox. It doesn't matter how good of an X and O's guy you are, or even what your interpersonal communication skills are like. If you don't have that foundation. 
it just isn't going to work because everyone's nobody's going to respect you. Yeah. And Matt Lafleur was very self aware coming into this season that that's where this has to start because fact of the matter is, Mike, a lot of things went wrong in 2018 for the Packers to have the overhaul that they had this past year. They had to get better. They had to get better with their coaches. They had to get better with the players. They had to get better with the scheme. They had to get better with the administration. Everybody needed to improve. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is they won 14 games. They made a playoff berth. And you listen to guys like Mercedes Lewis, Brian Balaga, uh, Tremont Williams, Mason Crosby, leaders in that locker room that have seen so many different versions of this Packers team, all appreciative of the tack that he took with this roster. That's something that you hang your hat on now as you move forward as a head coach. Yeah, and when you talk about the potential obstacles that, say, the Packers didn't have to deal with in 2019 that may come up in 2020, you know, the most significant injuries the Packers had, I would say, were, you know, Lane Taylor going down with the biceps injury, but Elton Jenkins was ready as a yeah. rookie second-round draft pick to step in and take over, and that was as uh, as seamless as you could as you could ask for. And then Devontae Adams missing four games with the turf toe injury and then you know working his way back even when he was back on the field he wasn't totally himself yet for a handful of games there um but you there almost inevitably after a year like this one there are going to be some more injuries the yeah. Packers are going to have to deal with and, and that's where the roster construction and how much experience do you have in the backups that are going to step in these are all of the conversations that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst and the personnel staff are going to have in the offseason another one I'll look at is you know this 2019 Packers Matt LaFleur is a head coach they haven't had a losing streak no you know now that's that says something about, again, the self-reflection and the leadership and all these other things that we've been talking about because every time the Packers lost a game, they got it turned back around yeah. and, and you know righted the ship very quickly. But this is the NFL. You're probably going to lose a couple games in a row here. That's another thing that maybe in 2020 is something that, you know, you won't be able to turn it around quite so fast. And if you lose a couple games in a row, then how does the locker room react? Then what kind of leadership is needed to, uh, to to get things going. These are the kinds of things that uh, that are potentially coming down the pike. But as I as I said before, it seems that uh, Matt LaFleur is not going to be surprised by anything. He's, mm -hmm. he's aware that he didn't face everything in year one. And, uh, and I think just that awareness is going to serve him well heading into year yeah. two. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I, what I'll start with is... It's the chicken or the egg, right, in terms of the, the two-game not having a losing yeah, streak. Yeah, absolutely. It is interesting how the locker room responded to every single one of those situations and how they played the following week. Right. What happens when the adversity hits the second time? That's something every team has to figure out. It'll be interesting to see if that should happen next year, how the Packers will handle that. But the other, the two other things I want to talk about very briefly here. One... Packers certainly just got to figure out what the heck happened in California this year, because uh, it just that that that's where it went awry. That was the yeah outlier. the three the three long the three longest road trips the three longest plane flights are 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 where for whatever reason things just didn't go yeah. Right. So that that's just that's something I think that they they're going to be able to put a finger on when they reassess here over the next six seven weeks, and I'm guessing it'll be something that may even be asked when we get back to the combine. The other thing is very small, and I'm sure it's not going to be something Lafleur is going to want to go into because I know Mike McCarthy certainly didn't. But I wonder if the Packers have really, this is speculation on my standpoint, I wonder if the Packers really have gotten their finger on the pulse of the GPS system and understanding workload management, uh, you know, knowing when to push guys and when not to push guys. Because That's a good point. 
you're right. Turf toe injuries are going to happen. Um, you know, we, we saw more injuries, season-ending injuries happen in practice than we did on the, on the football field this year. Uh, the thing that with, happened with Raven Green in the ankle, you can't really prepare for that. But the soft tissue injuries that would be sidelining players for weeks, uh, sometimes with Casey Hayward, some of these guys, it, it would wipe them out a whole season. Those didn't haunt the Packers this year. And yeah. a lot of that is rest and recovery and preparation. But what I want to say, too, along those lines, because fans are always asking, they've been asking for years, like, what is the deal with the injuries and, you know, this and that? And why, are, why do the Packers always get struck with all these injuries? It seems like the list is longer for Green Bay than other teams. I'll say this, too. Players have to take care of their yeah. own bodies. Yep. There, has to be, there has to be some commitment from within, from themselves, to do what it takes because they can only be given so many plans right. and so many objectives and, and this and that. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just wonder with a new head coach coming in, a new coaching staff coming in, you get a greater commitment from the players to do things on yes. their own when they have this whole new group of people to impress in order to get the playing time, in order to get in their careers where they yep. want to go. I'm just saying I think that's a part of this too. You know who's a great example? That is Jair Alexander too because I was talking with Jair about that this year because of Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams is the gold standard for preserving <laughs> your body. Yeah. Uh, I mean, whether or not you're a pro athlete, I think just as, as a 36, 37-year-old human being, you just got to respect the way that, that he approaches it. No question. And Jair mentioned to me this year when one of our conversations, I mean, how much – he said, like, okay, his rookie year, yeah, we got Tremont there, that's cool, it's fun. He's like, I, I'm not really sure how much I really took from him in terms of him independently going out and trying to use him as a resource. But seeing him this year in his preparation, I mean, Jair started doing yoga this year, things that he wasn't doing at least regularly in the past – uh, and starts all 16 games, plays at a high level all season long. It's those type of investments that players have to make. And it's not when you're 36, it's when you're 22 or 23 too. Uh, understanding that you, you, get a, you, you tear your hamstring, you have a soft tissue injury, that doesn't just heal like where it's like, okay, you never have to deal with it again. That muscle is less now because you tore it the first time. It's only going to recover to a certain extent. Right. The more you preserve yourself, the better it's going to be you for the long run. Injuries happen, though. They will happen. I mean, there, there are certain things that Nick Perry dealt with in Green Bay. He just was snake bitten by it. You just he, there, there's nothing he could have prepared for to break his thumb or like you know to have well, to he deal broke with his foot. Things. I mean, you know, yeah. That's that's the stuff. I mean, when you're talking about when you're talking about things like broken bones, concussions, those types of injuries, those fall in a completely yep. different category than you know the pulled hamstring the groin muscle the the calf muscle i mean all yeah. all of those kinds of things those are completely different categories and uh, and yeah the, the the packers were a healthy team in 2019 and for the most part they took advantage of it unfortunately you know they they wanted to win at least one more game yeah so getting back to my original point on all this much like we're going to see how the packers respond to adversity next year with this locker room seeing if they can keep this up seeing if they can keep that trend because it the outside looking in, and nobody ever wants to talk about it because, one, you don't want to give away any secrets, and, two, you don't want to jinx yourself. But <laughs> sure. the Packers were exceedingly healthy this year, and it helped in terms of how this team was built and how they were able to build throughout the course of the season. Yeah, well, we will not most likely hear from uh, Matt LaFleur until the NFL scouting combine, um, so may not have a 
too much to uh, to unpack between now and then, but we shall see. And uh, we are going to hear from General Manager Brian Gutekunst on Friday this week. So on Friday's show, we will uh, try to analyze and dissect what he has to say. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, I, I'm I think it's just going to be really fun because you know Brian has been accessible, but he doesn't have like weekly and daily press conferences like Matt does. So just seeing what his impressions were of this roster and wh- where they got to and what he learned. Uh, from this season. I, one thing is just I, I've loved since the day he walked into the door, uh, at least in terms of the new GM role, is that he, he stated, uh, that was January 7, 2018 or whatever it was, he stated they were going to leave no stone unturned with free agency. They were going to be in every conversation. They did that. That's what enabled them to get not one but two Smiths last year. Uh, you look at them being able to claim Jared Valdir and Tyler Irvin and finding some of the answers they did during the season, which is the most difficult time to be able to put a Band-Aid on things. Yep. Uh, it was a fantastic year for Brian Gutekunst and a great opportunity now for him going into year two with expediting this whole process to continue to try to fill some holes there to get that team back to a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I'll look forward to that conversation uh, on Friday. But for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to continue following all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and there's all kinds of great video content out there on the Packers YouTube channel. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.